0: My name's James, I lead the team here and if uh, you're our guest here, you're so welcome. If you've been coming recently, you're so welcome. If you've been a long-standing member of this church, you're so welcome. Great to see you all. We were supposed to be starting a new series today. We just finished last week this series that we did in January, The Happy Life. And because February is such a cheery month, we thought we would carry on with the, the theme of joy. And we, was, we looked at the Bible and thought the, uh, the most joyful book is the book of Philippians. So we were supposed to start a series in the book of Philippians today but we're not going to. Um, Over the Christmas period and uh, in the beginning of this year we really felt like God speaking to us prophetically and uh, we really wanted to respond. So we're going to push Philippians back a little bit later into the year and we're going to spend these next few weeks looking into what we feel that God is speaking to us about right here right now as a church. Everything that we do in this church, we want to be grounded in the Word of God. And because we're grounded in the Word of God, we really value the spiritual gift of prophecy. It doesn't mean that we elevate prophecy above other spiritual gifts, but we really do take seriously Paul's command in 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1 to earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. And we believe, as Paul does in in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 4, that prophecy builds up the church. And so today, we're essentially beginning a series that we're going to start with these next few weeks of, of uh, speaking into some of the things that we believe God is laying on our heart as a church at this moment, at this time for us here, right in this venue and across our other venues. And today, essentially, I guess I'm going to be sharing something of, uh, of our story a little bit and speaking into where I feel and where we feel as a leadership team, God is leading us at this moment. A few years ago, as we were approaching our 40th birthday as a church, we spent a good deal of time uh, seeking God for the future of the church, and we really felt God speak to us about the end of one chapter in the new community story and the beginning of a new chapter, that the first 40 years were like the introduction, if you like, or maybe chapter one of the new community story, and it was time to write a new chapter And we began to recognize that our story as a church, as good as it has been, as amazing as it's been, as incredible as the past 40 years, and some of you have lived through all of it, has been that this story was really just a very, very small part of a much bigger story, the big story of God. And like every story, the story of God has a beginning, it has a middle, and it has an end. And when we look in the word and we see the big story of God, we see right at the beginning, God spoke and all that is, was. And it was perfect. And then we see that God spoke in Genesis chapter 1 verse 28. He spoke to the pinnacle of his creation. He spoke to mankind. He spoke to humans and he said, be fruitful and multiply. The very first words he spoke to humankind was nothing to do with trees and fruit and warnings. It was be fruitful and multiply. And so from the beginning of the story, we see this theme, go multiply. And we know how the story went, that very quickly, Genesis 3, things get very, very messed up. And, and when man disobeys God and rebels against God and says, you know what, God, thank you. We'll ignore you. We'll do it our way. Things get messed up very quickly and sin entered the world. And we know that to still be true today. When we say yes to God and we live our lives according to him, things, well, they're bound to us. And when they don't, when we don't, we look at the state of our nation. What's the state of our nation? It's Romans 1 in action. They rebelled against their creator. They rebelled against the one who made them. They rebelled against and turned away from and were disobedient towards and said, no, God, thank you, we'll do it our way. And mess comes and mess ensues. It's a, it's a lesson that is worth learning for all of us. And we see the story throughout the Old Testament, just this cycle of, of God doing, making it right and the people mucking up again and disobeying God. And it's just this cycle of mess. And then we get to the, the, the kind of centerpiece, the, the huge moment, the pinnacle of the story, right? Slap bang in the middle, the defining moment when Jesus comes and he says, I've come to make a way for everything wrong to be put right again and Jesus ends his time on the earth Matthew 28 and he says this his final words all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit the story of God starts with God's first words to us be fruitful and multiply go go and make sure that there's more of you this time next year than there are currently this time this year And then the last commands Jesus gives us are pretty much the same thing. Go, make disciples. Go and multiply the number of you. Go and make sure that this time next year there are more of you than there are this time this year. And this story, the big story of God ends in Revelation. With a massive multitude that no one can number from every tribe and every tongue and every race and every nation and every creed and every colour, a multi-ethnic multitude gathered around the throne of God worshipping him forever. That's what we're part of, brothers and sisters. This is where this whole thing is heading. One day we will gather with a number that no one can measure from every different type of background and every different tribe and every different creed and every different language and every different everything, worshipping the glorious King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And where you think you are going in life determines how you live here and now. Where you, what you think your future holds determines how you live now, what decisions you make, how you act, how, what you believe, what you say, what you do with your time, your treasure, your talent, everything about what you think about the future determines how you live now. It's why we make the decisions we make. It's why we make the choices we make because we feel that this is where we're heading and so I'll make these choices to get there and it's exactly the same for us today. This is the story that we are in. And how you understand the story in which you live determines how you think, how you act, how you speak, how you live. None of us in this room, when asked who we are, and describe ourselves as being five foot eleven, slightly overweight in this kind of way, and, and a series of statistics. No, no, no. We we tell a story of who we are, of where we've come from, why we are like we are and where we think we're heading. And how your story is and what your story is and how you understand your story determines how you live in the moment. This is the story we're in. Beginning, God says, go multiply. Middle, God says, go multiply. End, the multiplication has happened. And we're living in this middle bit. The now and the not yet. The end has not yet happened. But these instructions, these words from God still apply to us, go multiply. Multiply. And a few years ago, as we were just really seeking like, the next chapter of the story, what would it be? We really felt God speak to us about this, this next chapter being one of multiplication and one of growth. And so we responded in faith. We, we took God at his word. We said, okay, God, you've spoken. We believe it. We're gonna pursue this. We're gonna play our part. We took him at his promise. We said, go multiply. We went, okay, we're gonna go and we're gonna do it. We recognize that we are carriers of the story. We recognize that the split second that you and I put our trust in Jesus Christ, not only was our eternal salvation secure, which it is, praise Jesus, but the very split second you put your trust into Jesus, you suddenly became part of, of the most amazing, most exciting, most incredibly wonderful story in all of history, the ingathering of the elect from every tribe and every tongue. There is nothing more exciting on the planet today than this big story being played out, and you and I get a part in it. Jesus said, you will be my witnesses. You will be, not... Well, if you want to be, you can be. Maybe check it out. Try it for a little bit. See how it works for you. And if not, don't worry about it. No, you will be my witnesses. We're not passive observers of this story. We're active participants. God, in his wisdom, has chosen that you and I would be partakers in this big story of God. And we as a church wanted to play our part And so after 40 years of God's faithfulness, we felt a real sense of new excitement, new season, new chapter, new moment. And we launched out as a multi-venue church into Eltham and then earlier last year into Welling. And God has done some amazing things. This church has grown and it continues to grow. I don't care much about stats, but, but just it's a helpful tracking of trends just to see where we're up to. And from two years ago when we were not a multi-site church to where we are now, we've grown about 30%. That's pretty impressive growth right across our venues because God has done some amazing things here. And we're so thankful to God for what he's done just in these last couple of years. I ended last term, just before Christmas really pretty tired. I was, in, uh, I was in real need of a break, to be honest with you. 2017 was a really rather busy year, church multiplication and growth. It's all very exciting, but it's actually quite complicated and, and at times a lot of hard work and all things that we've previously just gone, this is how it works. Everything needed reworking and redoing because growth always brings with it pressure and it always brings with it change. And I ended the year physically really quite tired, but also emotionally quite tired, to be honest with you. And as I ended last year, and I kind of went off on a little break over Christmas, I really uh, had this, my prayer, I guess, if I'm just being totally honest with you, was, God, I think 2018 just needs to be a nice, easy consolidation year, please. Just need everything just to kind of stay the same, no change, no. It would be really nice if you could make this next year so very easy. I can just have a nice rest and take up the whole thing. 2019, we'll pick it back up again and go again. But 2018, can we just chill out a bit? <laughs> And I was reading my Bible over Christmas, and God speaks really clearly. I was reading through the Gospel of Mark. I read it multiple times before. I get to chapter 4. Again, I've read it so many times before, but as I'm reading it this time, it's like God really had my attention. Like, boom. oh! And I'm reading Mark chapter 4, which is the parable of the sower. We're actually going to preach into it next, next Sunday. But I really felt God speak very clearly to me about 2018 being a year of ensuring that our soil is good and healthy. See, the parable of the sower, it really should be called the parable of the soil. It's actually all about ensuring that when the word of God is sown in our hearts, in our lives, when we hear the word of God, when God speaks to us through his word, it's ensuring that it's planted into good soil So that it grows and it bears much fruit. And I felt God really speak to me very clearly about ensuring that our soil as a church, right across all our meetings and venues, is good in order to facilitate the growing, the increasing, and the yielding of much fruit. And so I've kind of had this moment over Christmas where I really feel God has spoke to me and I get back after Christmas after a two-week break completely away, had no idea what had gone on in new community. I kind of was hoping everyone would still be here when I got back and, and praise God everyone was. And I get back in, the first meeting that I sit in was a bit of a review meeting of how, have, how the Christmas period and the, the new, uh, new Year's period had gone. And uh, the first thing I'm told is there was this prophetic word when we gathered that was shared on New Year's Eve, which we feel God is speaking to us about. I was like, oh, okay, go on then, share it with me. And they got transcripts and read it out, and it's quite long, but the gist of it was this. It was a picture of a tent, a huge marquee, with big tent poles in the middle. And around the edge, hundreds of tent pegs that pin it down and keep it rooted And it's only when tent pegs are firmly rooted that the tent stands. And the word came that each of us has this part to play to be involved as the tent pegs that that hold this thing in place. And the prophetic word went on and it said, so there's this sense for us that this year we need to root down into this soil and I sense that it's soft soil it's fertile soil because it's soil that God has prepared for us so that we can get really rooted in so individually we need to be rooted down with individual hearts that are steady and firm but also corporately that we root down because God has this huge huge canvas that he's stretching over us and the guys were just sharing it to me I had no idea because I hadn't told them yet what God's been speaking to me about And does it kind of resonate with you in any way I was like well funnily enough actually yeah it does this soil thing and I shared and I got quite excited about it and since then I've been in a number of other contexts where different prophetic words have been shared either publicly a whole load of stuff about soil and health and yielding fruit or privately a number of people inside the church and also in some other contexts outside the church just to myself I don't know if this means anything but I feel God is saying this to you right now and they've all been rooted around gathered around the same theme of being rooted in good soil for the purpose of growing, enlarging, stretching, fruit-bearing, for the purpose of multiplying. I feel God's speaking to us right now as a church. And a couple of weeks ago, there was a number of us gathered together and we were praying, and we were seeking the Lord together, and we worshipping, and a whole bunch of other prophetic words, similar kind of things were given. And then one prophetic word in particular was shared about storehouses. And something in my heart went, "Boah." Story in Joseph. This is the word came in, in, in Genesis. We all know the story. Joseph and his technical dream coats, that guy. And when he's elevated, I'm not going to sing it, don't worry. <laughs> oh, why not? No, I'm here. Yeah. And when Joseph was elevated into a position of authority within Egypt, he he gathered the grain into the storehouses because he knew that there was a famine coming. And he gathered them in order that when the famine came, people would know where to be fed. And there's two elements of this story. There's what Joseph does and there's what God does. There's Joseph who strategically ensured that the storehouses were full and that people would know where to go. That things were healthy. That there was something to give people when they arrived hungry. And then there's the second part, which is God's bit, which is where it's still required in this Joseph story, It still required a move of God to bring about hunger in the people. Because famine, God did move and famine came to the land. And when it did, the people who were hungry, they went to the storehouses to find the food. And the picture in the word given was that our venues are like these storehouses We need to ensure that there is good health in our venues, that our storehouses are full, so that when a move of God comes, and it surely will, that's what we're praying for, that hungry people can turn and be fed with the things that they need for life. I ended last term really quite tired, but really quite thankful for all that God has done. And I begin this term once again, stirred and dreaming about what God might do in us and through us to the praise of his glory. You see, God spoke about multiplication and growth and we responded and so did he. And I'm so thankful, I'm so grateful. Frankly, I'm actually amazed at all that God has done in the last couple of years. It's amazing. I'm so grateful, thank you, Lord. But I'm still not satisfied. I'm gonna be really honest with you. By many measures, new community right now is a success. Whatever that means. But if I'm really honest, I'm not really satisfied with being a success within evangelical Christianity. I'm hugely provoked and challenged in my spirit by the words of a guy called David Smith. Many of you were at Ashburnham last August when he spoke. He leads a huge church in Peterborough and Cambridge and Leicester and they're planted into London as well. I mean, thousands and thousands of people. And he said this, I mean, by every sense, you go, wow, what an amazing church. Those guys have made it. He said, we will not, be, we will not measure our church compared to other churches, but by the size of the lost in our communities. Wow. Because that provoked me. Because any sense of success goes right out the window when you look and you recognize that the three boroughs alone that we live in, where all our people come from, there are 880,000 people, and the vast majority of them right now are not sitting what we're doing. They're doing something very, very different. Brothers and sisters, this week, 150,000 Europeans will die without Christ. There's famine in the land. There's famine in the land state of our nation I don't need to get political about it you just turn on the news there is famine in the land and the name of Jesus is not being glorified we have an awful lot to be thankful for I am really grateful to God for what he's done here and what he's doing in us and we have lots of reasons to celebrate but here's the thing they will not be talking about new community church in heaven they're not going to be saying oh look at that great church they did well no 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 we're going to be talking about the glory of Christ and that's what we have been invited into not to not to play out build our own little empire but to participate in God's big plan to see his name glorified in the world and all the mess that is out there being made right Our motivation, our desire for more and for multiplication and growth and and transformation of lives is not born out of a desire to build an empire, but instead it's about an everlasting kingdom. Our motivation is really very simple. It's not about our name. It's not about our fame. It's not about the name of New Community Church. If God desires that every knee bow to Jesus and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord, then so should we. And we should be jealous for the honor of his name. And we should be troubled when it remains unknown. And we should be hurt when it's ignored. And we should be indignant when the name of Jesus is more commonly used to curse than to praise. And we should be deeply troubled by the state of our nation. And all the time, our overriding concern and our determination should be that the name of Jesus is given the honor and the glory that are due unto it. So I look at the state of our nation and I think oh god we need you to move and I dream not of a large church but of a nation transformed And I dream of a church triumphant, not just this one, but every single one, every denomination, God bless them. Every family of churches, God bless them. I dream of a church triumphant that is feeding a nation on bread that does not perish. I dream of a move of God in our day, in this generation, that when the history books are written, they record it like they do of those revivals of old across the Hebrides and Wales and Ireland and all these other different places around the world. I dream and I long for what is happening in China right Now And different parts of the world to happen in this place at this time. And I really, really, really believe that this is not a moment to retreat. This is not a moment to even consolidate, but a moment to to dream again and to press into God. To make sure that our soil is really very healthy. To make sure that our storehouses are full. Because we believe that in a moment, God can turn a nation back to him. This is what I dream of. I don't dream of what is plausible or of what is pragmatically possible or what our culture or even our Christian subculture tells us is realistic. I want our dreams to be determined by the promises of God in our time. You see, when I read the Bible, I realize this ain't Lord of the Rings. This happened. This isn't some neat story to, to kind of get our attention off of the things that we're in and go, oh, well, that would be nice, wouldn't it? No, no, this this happened. In biblical history, it happened. It's happened since. And whoa, it means it can happen again. Yes. See, the 28th chapter book of Acts spans a period of about 30 years. Frankly, when Jesus tells them in chapter one to take the gospel to the ends of the earth, you would be forgiven for thinking this was a somewhat overly ambitious plan, especially considering the checkered nature of the record of the disciples to date. But by chapter 28, just 30 years later, the gospel had made outstanding progress all around the Mediterranean, at least as far as Rome and quite probably beyond. It changed the then known world and it can do the same again today. Oh God, send your revival rain. Oh Lord, there are so many new stories to be told. There are so many new chapters to be written. The best is yet to come. We're the church, we're the body of Christ, we're the the bearer of the manifold wisdom of God. We're a chosen people, we're a, a holy nation, we're a people belonging to God. We are the purpose of creation, the fullness of Christ to fill the earth. This is what I dream of, a nation changed to the glory of God. And a few years ago, when we stepped out on this multi-site journey, I really felt God speaking to me about raising the expectation of what God is going to do here. And I just felt really stirred this week in, in my prep just to real revisit these same things again today. A few years ago, when I felt God say, speak about raise the expectation, I really feel him speak about reaching the nations by advancing through prayer, fueled by worship, by identifying more leaders, more locations, more cultures, more opportunities, by starting more communities, more venues, more meetings, more ministries, and by expecting gospel transformation. That's what we're about. This is what we're about. This is what we're about. Reaching the nations of the world, those who are here and those who are not, because this is where we've come from. Right back in Genesis 12, God said to Abraham, I will make you a father of a multitude. I will make you a great nation. And this is where we're heading, this great multitude, this great nation from every different tribe and every different tongue and every different everything gathered around the throne of God, worshiping him, united together, one heart, one mind in worship. This is who we are. And Ephesians 3.10 says, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known. This is who we are. A community of saved, reconciled, redeemed people. We are a public demonstration of God's power, God's grace, God's wisdom, of God's glory. We're actually a prophetic statement of what is to come. We can't do it perfectly. We can't perfectly picture what one day will be, but imperfectly we can right now as a prophetic statement of what is to come of many different people from many different backgrounds, from many different nations, from many different tribes, from many different tongues, of many different creeds, of many different colours. We can't do it perfectly, but we can do it imperfectly. And one day we shall see it perfectly. This is who we are. Is it easy? No, it's not. Have we got it right? No, Are we going to make a whole bunch more mistakes as we go? Absolutely, yes. Is that okay? Yes, it is. Because who's building his church? It ain't me. It's Jesus. And the gates of hell will not prevail. And what he declares to be shall be and shall come to pass. I am so grateful for the increase in diversity in this church. By every measure, young, old, rich, poor, black, white, different nationalities, different nations, I say more, Lord, for your glory, because this is where we're heading. This is what we're asking God for an incredible move of him that brings the nations back to him, that reconciles people back to him and back to one another. We're about reaching the nations. And a huge key to this is advancing through prayer. Throughout the Old Testament, throughout the New Testament, throughout church history, every spiritual awakening was founded on corporate, prevailing, intensive, kingdom-centered prayer. And the kind of move of God we're asking for only happens following prayer, Again and again and again and again throughout the book of Acts you read, they were together in prayer. And as they were together, the room shook and the spirit fell and they were full with the Holy Spirit. And what did they go and do? They had incredible boldness to what? Go and declare the words of God. All the stories, the dramatic stories of breakthrough in the, in the word and in Church history come after periods of prevailing prayer. We really believe that prayer changes things. Last term, we started the first of what we want to become. These monthly prayer meetings asking God for a move of revival in this nation. Hannah mentioned it earlier. And we started them last term and they started small, kind of numbers wise. But you know what, that's okay. That's absolutely fine. In 1857, a businessman... And a lay leader in his church, Jeremiah Lamphere, decided to launch a prayer meeting in his lunch hour once a week on a Wednesday in New York City. And on Wednesday, September the 21st, 1857, he showed up to pray at 12. And for the first 30 minutes, he prayed entirely by himself. And then another businessman joined him. And by 1pm, six people were quietly praying. The following Wednesday, 20 people gathered. The next week, 40 people gathered to pray at noon. After several weeks of prayer gatherings, they changed from weekly to daily. And then they outgrew the church building that they met in in Fulton Street in New York. And inspired by Lanthia's vision, other churches began to meet to pray. And within months, thousands of people started to gather in churches at 12 every single day to pray. And many factories began blowing their whistles at 11.55 to give the employees time to make it to church by noon to pray. One day a senior editor of a newspaper was looking out of his window and he was shocked to see people running from their places of business, bumping into one another and yet within minutes, they'd all disappeared into churches. So he sent a reporter to investigate. So his little reporter guy goes out and finds out what's happening and he returns with the astonishing report, they're all praying. And by 1858, the New York Herald and the New York Tribune were both running regular columns on the noonday prayer meetings. And it was reported that at that point, up to 40,000 people were praying across the city. And the movement spread across the nation. And bear in mind, the states at that time, there was only about 29, 30 million people in the entire population. Most, by, most church historians agree that by 1859, just two years later, more than a million unchurched people had become Christians across the nation that churches in New York City had grown, doubled in size, every church of every different denomination, of every different background. And at the same time, the move of God happened over this side of the pond as well, and nearly a third of the population of Northern Ireland joined the church. Approximately 10% of Wales and Scotland were converted at the same time as well, because one man said, I'm going to pray at this time for this moment. Prayer changes things. Prayer changes things. And this move of God still happens today. China, tens of thousands of people becoming Christians every single day. Wow, to the glory of God, come on. Across South America, just in their scores. Across Africa in their scores. And in Europe, why not? Why not? Why not? We were reminded earlier in worship that these people have been worshiping God the last 15 hours or so as the sun has come up. Hey, the sun still shines brightly here. For the glory of God, why not? So we're going to be gathering as a church. You heard it earlier, 8th of February, 8th of March, 12th of April, 10th of May. Basically the second Thursday of the month. And we're going to gather to pray. We're going to gather to pray for our nation. I know some of you can't make it. That's all right. Pray where you are. It's not a problem. It's not about attendance at prayer meetings. It's about hearts that are connected to something much bigger. That recognize the story that we're living in and say to your glory, Lord. To yours alone. If you're able we'd love you to come and pray and what excites me so much is right now across the UK there is a a kind of an initiative if you like there is a a hunger and a thirst for prayer across denominations across the church across every different unlike anything I've known in over a decade of, of pastoral ministry when the archbishop announces his thy kingdom come initiative and not just the Anglicans get excited that excites me we're going to join in later this year with that. I, don't, I, don't, I have no idea what it'll look like, but it'll probably look like praying. <laughs> and we're going to join in along with a whole load of other people. Right now across this borough, this, this borough that we're in right now, Bexley, there is a, uh, a, a desire, an increased thirst and a hunger for praying right across the borough that's leading to lots of different churches from all sorts of different backgrounds gathering in their own church context to pray for 24 hours at a time. Whole thing of the 24-7 prayer stuff. Do you know what? We're joining in. I th- I'm not exactly sure of the date. We've got to work it out. I think it'll probably be Friday, the 2nd of March. But we're going to pray for 24 hours. Like You don't have to like, stay awake and pray for the whole 24 hours. We'll break it down. The way it works is into slots. We're joining in. There's something happening right across this borough, across this city, across this nation. And we want to join in with it and say, hey, God, it's not about our name. It's not about our fame. It is about yours and yours alone. Would you move in power? I'm excited about it. I believe prayer changes things. And as we advance through prayer, we want to get a whole lot better at identifying more leaders, locations, opportunity and we, opportunities, and we want to start some more things. We're serious about launching more venues. We're serious about launching more meetings. We're serious about playing our part in seeing the Kingdom of God advance across Southeast London and beyond. I announced this last Wednesday night for some of you who are here at the One Church Meeting. Right now we're dreaming of not just launching venues but actually actively pursuing planting some churches as well. And it's not going to be in the southeast of England. I actually want to play our part in planting some churches. We've sent people. We've planted in the past. It's time to do it again. We're going to go up north somewhere. Not just because I'm northern. I just feel a stirring in my heart. To go and plant some church. Who's going to go? Who's going to go? Who knows? I don't know. I'm excited about it. See, this is the story that we're part of. We're part of a, a church planting movement from, that went from Seaford to Brighton to London to the rest of the UK and beyond, that it multiplied church planting, multiplied the impact, multiplied the mission. And looking back at, on our history, all the way back from Acts to the present day, we see a church multiplying. And as bearers of the good news, God calls each of us into this story and into this mission. And sometimes it's hard. Now, scrap that. All of the time, it is hard. And sometimes we need to leave friends and family behind. Sometimes we need to give up our comfort. Sometimes we actually, it's hard to stay. Some of us need to stay. Because if you want to see long-term fruit in an area, you need to be prepared to stay for an awful long time in an area. And sometimes that's the hardest thing to do. But whether we go, or whether we stay, whether we pray or just offer support, we are all wrapped up in this joyful call to take what started in Jerusalem, went to Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. And we're all invited to play our part in the next chapter of this story. And we're prayerfully seeking God for, in 2018, we're wanting God to speak and where are we gonna plant our next venue and where are we gonna plant this church? I believe in all my heart, it's gonna be the beginning of a multiplication of many again and again and again and again and again for the glory of God. And as we do that, we're expecting gospel transformation. You see, this is what this is all about. This is our mission, if you like. In fact, the church the church doesn't really have a mission. The mission has a church. This is what God's about and the way he's ordained it is churches. Make disciples, multiply, plant more, go again and again and again. And it's truly mind-blowing when you think about it that God would choose someone like me and people like you to participate in this mind-blowing, great, big, glorious adventure of seeing his name glorified in the earth. I mean, if I was choosing the way that this would work itself out, I wouldn't choose me. If I was picking the teams, I would not be picking me as first pick. And this is why I love 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26, 28. It's so comforting to know that, that God did not choose many wise. Many mighty, many strong, many noble, but what he chose was foolish and weak and base. Verse 28, God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not. You can't get much lower than not. (laughs) And God chose even things that are not to bring to nothing things that are. Wow. Wow. You see, repeatedly throughout the Bible, you discover people like Moses who complained that he couldn't speak. And Gideon who said, well, I'm the least in my father's house. And Jeremiah who was way too young. And David who was an absent boy looking after sheep. But God called them and God used them. And having chosen them and having called them, God equipped them. Not with kind of words of eloquence and incredibly worldly gifts and amazing intellect. No, 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 no. He Equipped them in his own unique way. He entrusted them with a message that captivated them more than anything else. A story he placed in their hearts, of a story that is outshines every other story. A story that is so glorious and amazing, it's worth living and giving and dying for. And he gave them an awareness of being personally commissioned. He said, No, I call you, I call you a son, I call you a daughter. Yes, you. Yes, you. Yes, you're part of a people. But yes, you. I've personally called you. And he gave them the promise of his ongoing presence. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. I'm always with you. And he gave them immediate accessibility to him through prayer. God's with us. And that causes us to be incredibly bold. See, boldness was clearly a characteristic of God's servants. Though weak in themselves, they're depending on his resources and they found themselves enabled and empowered by him. This is Paul's testimony in 2 Corinthians 3 verse 5 and 6. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant. I'm nothing in and of myself, but my sufficiency does not come from me, it comes from him. Some of us, are really aware of our personal inadequacy in our lives. We've already discounted ourselves. We already think when I said that, oh, that wasn't very good. I can't really mean me. Look how much gifted, more gifted they are. Some of us are yet to be fully aware of our inadequacies and that's a humbling moment when that comes. We realise we're not quite as good as we thought we were. But the frailty of God's servants is, is evident throughout the pages of Scripture. And it's evident throughout church history. But also what's evident is great exploits of faith and effectiveness that are recorded and celebrated. See, the floundering disciples who didn't know up from down, who got so many things wrong, equipped by the Holy Spirit, they turned the whole world upside down. The praying and praising persecuted church found courage and enabling to keep pressing on. And so now having called us, God who makes amazing promises of his faithfulness has given us mighty and powerful and more than adequate resources. We are not to regard ourselves as ill-equipped, weak and feeble and left to our own devices because God has gloriously provided and we need a fresh confidence and a fresh resolve to grasp hold of all that God has provided for our fruitfulness and our effectiveness he has promised he has made a way he will come through I was reading Psalm 78 this morning it's quite a long one and in Psalm 78 verse 9 there's a bit it talks about the sons of Ephraim who were equipped with bows yet turned back on the day of battle they were ready to fight and then they forgot that they were fully armed and battle equipped and they ran away we need to remind ourselves God's with us we are fully armed and fully equipped by the power of the Holy Spirit God's word to Gideon is God's word to us go in the strength go in the might that you have do I not send you not by my might not by my power but by his spirit says the Lord see we're looking brothers and sisters for a big move of God we're asking him oh Lord would you rend the heavens and come down would you move in power in this day, in this time, in this generation, in this moment, in this city, in this nation? But at the same time, we're looking to make our own moves. And over the next few weeks, we're wanting to move to ensure that our soil is healthy, that our storehouses are full, that our tent pegs are firmly driven into and rooted deep in the things of God. So over these next few weeks, we're going to address a number of these issues. We're going to say, God, would you move? And we want to align ourselves, so we're going to move too. We're wanting to ensure that we're healthy all for the reason of feeding people who are not. It's time to raise our levels of faith, brothers and sisters. It's time to recognize he's inviting us into a great big adventure and every single one of us has a part to play. And we're gonna unpack that over the next few weeks. I just feel a sense right now. I do not believe in coincidences and some of you are in this place right now God has brought you for such a time as this and there is gifting and things and dreams and plans and desires that he's put in you that he's wanting to draw out of you. You are battle ready and fully equipped. Spirit of God, would you just stir our heart right now? For some, we've kind of covered things over and said, I can't do that. No, not me. Oh Lord, would you open up the wells in the name of Jesus? Some we've written ourselves off. God, would you, I thank you, you haven't. You've written us back in. Oh Lord, Holy Spirit, would you just stir our hearts right now with a passion for your name, a passion for your fame. Some of us, we need to, hmm. Some of, I say this really gently. really humbly and full of love towards you some of us need to repent from living our own story and surrender to his some of us are stubborn and I just feel the Lord wanting to gently call you out of your stubbornness For his glory and your good for all of us I love that earlier I surrender all I surrender all when was the last time we sang that probably in 1958 or something I surrender all for the glory of God